it was just like, oh my god, you know, right? And it's just the the library, you know, silence was 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 deafening. And so, uh, but yeah, but he was deadly serious, and uh, you know, wanted to pass it on and get the word out. And I think I really do think, um, you know, what what it was about is uh, Sarkin made the decision, and you know, once he told once he told players that once the two guys, you you know, word is going to leak out. And I think that what Sark was essentially doing was just taking control of the narrative, right? It's like, hey, instead of letting this thing look bad and, you know, go into the weekend, let's just, let's just put it out there and, um, you know, let it do what it does in social media. I guess even the uh, media down in Texas can understand what Sarkeesian was doing with the announcement of the starting quarterback going starting quarterback job going to Quinn Ewers. That was Brian Davis down there covers uh, Texas, and <laughs> what do you say? It's like someone kicked your dog. Yeah, and your mom died. I'm like, let's not. That's a little extreme no, there. It's the bad. guy that you weren't hearing was going to be the starter was named the starter. Like, come on now, easy. Okay, so did Quinn Ewers ever, because he made the announcement the day before, or maybe a couple of days before, that something big was coming, did he ever announce what that big thing was? I don't know. Let's check his Twitter profile and see. But to my knowledge, I don't think so, unless he got in the condiment game, like I said, like Bijan Musterson did. Well, right. That's what I'm saying, is I don't think any, any NIL thing ever came from it. So... I here's my theory. My theory is that he put out this video about big things to come, like Sarkeesian had already told him and told him when they were going to announce it. So him and his people put out this video on his social media account to kind of whip everyone into a frenzy and just a theory that made Sarkeesian upset. And he said, Oh, if, if is that what you're doing? You want this to be a social media thing? Well, here's how we're going to do it. Yeah. I'm just going to slip a note to the SID Which, guy. I don't, I, if that's actually how Sark handled it, then I commend him for handling right. it that way. Like, seriously, dude, like you're going to link this out for, for social media buzz. And I don't think he announced an NIL deal or anything else. That's, that had to, that must be what it was. Because there's the nothing else on the timeline right. since he, he said that. That's that's the only thing that I could come up with that would that's make a sense. Weak, that's a weak move, man, honestly, because you go head-to-head against someone, you battle against someone, and then like you're the one that hints at it, leaks it out before it's actually announced. That's right. Yeah, that's weak. So that's, that's kind of the only thing I can think of. Um, maybe that's the case, maybe not, but... Whenever he never announced anything, and the only thing that came out was that that deal from Sark about him being the starting quarterback, it leads you to believe like that was the actual big thing to come. And maybe uh, maybe Sark didn't like that, so maybe he thought it was disrespectful. Maybe you know whatever he thought. Um, so yeah, that's about the only thing I could come up with. And. I love that the media down in Texas absolutely hated it. Yeah. <laughs> right? Peyton says, dude, it had to have been the starting job thing. Yes. Yeah. Also, Trey Brown and Reggie Smith. Uh, yeah, they, yeah, they returned punts. Oh, okay. Yeah. Good ones. Yes. 
I don't think I see Wolfolk on there. I don't think No, I don't think he ever I don't did. think he returned. Well, kicks. you know what? Um Ponce maybe in O two, did he? No, it was Perkins. Was it, okay, and maybe I'm thinking of O one then. I thought it maybe at some point that he did. Who would have been because Thatcher was left after two thousand. Right. And Perkins was O two and O three. Who was your punt returner in O one? Are you sure he wasn't a punt returner in O one? Pert no. I think he I think he may have been. Um I'll I'll go back and check, but I don't I don't think so. Now, I don't think Wolf would have returned him because he was like one of the best guys at blocking punts off the edge. Like he was he was one of the the main punt rushers. Yeah. So I don't think he would have been. Didn't on he? There. He blocked a field goal maybe that oh one oh two Texas game. Yeah oh one because he was like. Six one or six two had incredibly long arms and had like a forty something inch vertical, and all we would do is push the middle and he would run up behind it and and just jump as high as he could and he blocked quite a few that way. So kick and punt return savage was uh, this is a uh, did I put in two thousand and one yeah two thousand and one you had Antoine Savage was your leading uh, punt returner that year leading punt return hmm. Fagan was in there Damian Mackey was there Brandon Jones as well yeah yeah curtis fagan was good uh antoine savage was good damian mack it's a it's a good group curtis fagan was so fast oh my god he was incredible uh yeah so i i guess those are all offensive guys any good scuttle coming out of the scrimmage what they had a scrimmage on friday correct friday afternoon friday night yeah i think so think so and um I didn't hear a whole lot about it but I know I know some of the young wide receivers again making Same plays thing, out man. there Same, like we it's no longer a conversation at this point like those those two guys Jaden Gibson and Nick Anderson will factor into this offense this year right and like in game one I think Deshaun White had a really good uh evening afternoon whatever um uh, playing that new spot that they found for him uh, he's doing really well um, I think uh, I feel pretty good about the backer spot. Even I, an, even an inside backer, yeah. Because I, a couple of weeks ago, well, really, like last week, it was if there's a position defensively, I'm worried about it's inside backer. Yeah, I I still think that as of right now, it may be lagging a little bit behind. That's because of how difficult it is. But I think, you know, as these guys gain more and more experience in this system, every day more reps and, you know, Venables is just repping the heck out of uh, Stutzman and Aguebu, trying to get them up to, up to speed. He's not rotating a bunch of guys through. Um, I think they're going to come along. And, you know, just kind of like some of the other guys that I've talked about, I think that that position – it could start off somewhat slow, but by the middle and end of the season, I think you could really start to see some good stuff happening there. And here's the thing, too. If we're playing better defense, don't judge the linebackers by how many tackles they make. The better defense you play, the more spread out the production's going to be. So, yeah, I'm, I still – I mean, I'm optimistic, but I, I do still feel, feel like they're behind because 
a lot of their stuff is more mental than it is physical. It just sure. takes a while. Uh, let's go back to the wide receivers first. It seems like every time they have a scrimmage or you know people get to see an open practice, whatever, it's Jaden Gibson and Nick Anderson. You've right. got to mention both of those guys. Now, that doesn't have to mean that the other returning guys or the returning guys aren't playing well, too. But what has that meant for Marvin Mims, and what has that meant for Jaleel Farouk? I've heard Mims is having a pretty good training camp. I'm not hearing as much about Jaleel Farouk. Is there a reason for that? Uh, I think he's. I think it's just been a little quieter for him, but I think he actually had a really good scrimmage. Um, th- they're going to get. They're going to get plenty of plenty of run. Uh, the wide receivers, if if you've seen these systems before, because of the up tempo nature at times, they convoy wide receivers in and out a lot. Um, you know, I imagine. You probably play six or seven, uh, six or seven wide receivers a game, maybe even more than that. And I'm not talking about just, you know, intermittent reps. I think you probably play that many guys on most drives. If the drives go go, you know, somewhere around double digit plays. You'll probably see seven. See a guy run a go pattern. If it's incomplete, he runs off the sideline. Right Someone the else sideline. rolls in, fresh, yep. ready to go. Yeah, I don't yep. hate that. And sometimes it's uh, if you're going up tempo, they'll do the move, and defensive coaches, rightfully so, absolutely hate it. They'll run purposely, run like a bubble screen that it all pours out of bounds. And the receivers that are over there blocking and that have the ball stay out of bounds, and the new group comes in. And yeah. if the referees don't catch it, they don't slow down. Is the that snap. did Baylor back in the Art yeah. Bryles day? Is that who originally started that? Uh-huh. Yeah, and when obviously Levy was there, so that yep. makes sense. And they'll they'll still try it, but you, you it's way harder to pull off now. It took people a while to realize what was going on, but. Uh, pretty ingenious move. Uh, text line. Well, Mark Grace, if you ain't, cheat, ain't cheating, you ain't trying. There you go. I respect it. Not so easy to double someone with all that production across the board. I love it. Yeah. Yep. I, I think I'm starting to think, and you never know what happens, of course, but from what I've seen and how he looks running routes, and he's just a true freshman – I don't see how, if this trajectory continues, that Jaden Gibson is not like a top 20 first-round draft pick. I, I think he's that type of player. You just don't have six-foot-five wide receivers like that every no, day. No, I mean, there's guys there's, – there's good-sized wide receivers out there, but they, they tend to be hmm, – how, how do you say this? They're – they're big and they play big. He doesn't he doesn't have the feeling of a defensive end out there playing wide receiver. He has the feeling of a of a wide receiver that's just like extended lengthwise. Super quick, in and out of his breaks. The bigger guys usually struggle with some of the quickness and the route running just because you're moving so much mass. As of right now, he doesn't have that problem at all. OU Twitter, they released like a video, like scrimmage highlights. They put it out on Saturday afternoon. So I don't know if it was like Saturday's practice or if they practiced on Saturday, if it was from that scrimmage on Friday. Anyway, the point is, 
is that the caption says, come for the Jaden Gibson one-handed catch, stay for the Billy Bowman one-handed interception. And basically the highlight is it's Jaden Gibson in the corner of the end zone, and he I, don't, I couldn't tell which defender it was. Text line will let me know. But he, he's hanging all over Jaden Gibson. I, right. it's, if we're talking about a game situation, there's a pretty good chance that a flag is thrown on that play. And still Jaden Gibson, with the defender all over him, probably interfering with him, still jumps up and makes a one-handed catch in the end zone. And that's exactly what you're saying. It's right. like some guys, most guys, can't ever do that in their career, but certainly as a true freshman before they've ever taken a serious down in college football. And he's already that type of guy. And I love, man, I love having that type of guy on the field because, you know, instead of just throwing the ball away, in living for third down, you can take some calculated risk with a yeah. guy like that, man. Um, and not every single time is he going to come down with it, but maybe three out of ten times, man, instead of just throwing the ball away, you just throw it up and it's either our ball or nobody's ball, and you feel like there's a chance he can make a play on that instead of just throwing it away for an incomplete pass. Like, that's that's huge for an offense. Yep, that's And that's right. what that play kind of looked like. Yeah. So, this peak offseason – over-evaluating one practice clip that OU football put out on social media. But here we are. Well, that's just kind of the nature of it. Whenever you get get leaked some information, uh, you gotta you got to take what you can from it. But, man, I'm, I just I'm, – I'm blown away at how good those young wide receivers look uh, this quick, this early. They're going to be – they're going to be big-time dudes now and – I think it's going to happen right out of the gate. And when we're talking about the greats, man, the greats that have ever rolled through here, those guys get on the field early. Mm-hmm. Uh, Clayton got on the field as a freshman. Was he a redshirt freshman that redshirt. year in yep. 01? Yep. Uh, Ryan Broyles got PT as a true freshman back in 2008, right? Lamb did until he got hurt, right? Yeah. Um, Malcolm Kelly did in 2005. So like the, the best wide receivers that you can go back and think of, Shep did in, in 2012. Like it, those guys get out on the field early. Brandon Jones? I think he did. Yeah, he may have. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, I, I think that I think we're going to be set at wide out. Absolutely set. Size, athleticism. We've got the the guys that are the smaller, quicker guys that run the slot. Um, you know, we've they're just they're incredibly deep. If you you just say. Uh, Mims, Jalil Farouk, um, Drake Stoops, the Anderson and Gibson kids, the freshmen, Gavin Freeman, and you still you still got plenty of other guys that are going to be rotating in that are uh, more than adequate. So fair point, text line. Yeah, Mims did too. He was the leading wide receiver yeah. his freshman year. So he broke the uh, freshman record yeah. at OU, right? Uh, yeah, Broyles was redshirted. Yes, he was. I'm talking about his redshirt freshman year. Kenny Stills. Man, there's a lot of guys that played. Yeah, their, their freshman year. Well, wide receiver is a is a spot that you can come in right away and play. Not a not a whole lot of um, not a whole lot put on you on the mental side. I mean, you got to know the routes. You got to know the the adjustments, the you know, the hots and all of those things, you gotta understand the offense, but you know, more of it is can you just go out and grab the football? Look at this. KREF has become the go-to sports talk, uh, sports talk station for OU fans everywhere. Both of you are major reasons why. From that guy who once texted you to do your job. <laughs> Extreme respect for what you have both become on the radio. 
That's a great text from Teddy's dad. That's awesome. Oh, I thought it was uh, I thought it was Traber Gout guy texting in <laughs> about that. Um, yeah, that is nice. Appreciate that. Yeah, thank you. Uh, we do for a timeout. Yeah, let's hit a quick break. More from the rush coming up. Hour number two rolls on next. Stream at home. Shop the latest ref gear. Read the latest issues of Boyd Street or 19th Street Magazine. And listen to the podcast for your favorite ref shows. Just visit the all-new KREF.com website. At Monday, it's game week, baby. Nebraska and Northwestern on Saturday. Some people saying that North Texas UTEP game, it's on stadium. So what is stadium? It's a channel that I they air live sporting events from time to time, but it's games like North Texas and UTEP. Oh no! Nice. Who cares? You get a week ahead on our scouting against the UTEP miners. Let's go. No doubt about it. Huh, that's interesting. Stadium. I don't know. I don't even know if I have that. Brett McMurphy uh, used to used to work there. Oh, so. well, I remember that. I didn't know it was a channel, though. Huh. Okay. Fascinating. Uh, other great news, other than it's game week, just finalized the design for the Ref Army t-shirts Ooh. that's going to be on the uh, the website soon. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You designed it? Uh, Mark, the picture guy, designed it. I was given three, like, hey, which one looks best? And I said, that one looks the best. So there were some designs. You were kind of uh, the final stop, quality control, if you will. Nice. Hmm. And it's good? It's really good. It's like the, uh, the ref guy that we have, but he's saluting. It says the ref, uh, the ref Twitter arm. It's, it's a pretty cool design, i got to say. We, we did a really good job with this one. Nice. Well, good deal. So it'll be, uh, it'll be available for purchase very, very soon. And I'm sure that we'll do some sort of giveaways for our loyal uh, base out there on social media. Which Fantastic. Fights, which fights the good fight for us on, on Twitter yeah. all the time. We don't even have to get into things because the, the Army takes care of it for us. It's awesome. Yeah, it's great. I love that. Um, speaking of fighting, boy, there's some fighting going on in the SEC East right now between two head coaches. Yeah. Shane Beamer and Mark Stoops. This thing continues to heat up, and I continue to be fascinated by it. Yeah, it was interesting. You know, Shane Beamer, I, that's when Mark Stoops kind of threw those comments out there. It's really the first time I've ever heard anyone anywhere say anything negative about Shane Beamer at all, right? And it's a little interesting that Kentucky, Mark Stoops, they're taking shots at South Carolina of all teams yeah. because the thought this year is that Kentucky's going to be – they're going to be a better football team than South Carolina. Yeah. And I don't view those two programs as bitter rivals. No, I don't either. Um, I guess maybe, maybe I don't know much of the history there, but – you know, Kentucky beat them last year. It was a good close game, but they did win the the football game. It just it's strange that of all the all the people to throw some barbs at, he picked South Carolina, who you know had a had a good season. You know, did went above and beyond what most people thought was uh, was capable for them in in uh, in his first year. So. That was strange. He is. I mean, he's he's uh, he's kind of a fun-loving guy. He's done some fun things. You know, he he really doesn't ever say no to anything. And I guess he had the funny video where he was dancing to Soldier Boy. And 
I don't know, I guess Mark Mark Stoops shut that down quickly and maybe to just to signal send a signal to his people that he's not doing any dancing videos, yeah. right? Yeah, maybe so. He did clarify a couple of days ago saying, No, nah, I was talking about myself. I wasn't talking about uh, Shane okay. Beamer. Yeah. Yeah, well. Still, regardless, uh, this show is pro Mark Stoops on any beef that he has, especially uh, with what happened with John Calipari a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I don't have any problem. I'd I'd like to see Kentucky and South Carolina uh, settle it on the field, which is probably going to be a really good game this year. Uh, It's at Kentucky. Uh, That'll be the OU Texas weekend, I believe. That's a massive weekend in the sport. Yeah. One of one of the biggest weekends all year long. Week one and that second weekend in October might be the the two best weeks that, that we have this year. Wow. That's big time. Well, uh yeah, I don't know. I guess uh I guess there's gonna be a lot of folks watching uh Spencer Rattler pretty close this year. Uh some people say that he's just gonna be a one and done just a quick little stop and then try and head to the NFL. I'm not so sure about that. I think he may, may be uh, forced to stay there a little bit. I think so, too. Play that thing out. But I still think he's going to have a nice year. Yeah, I mean, there, there's there's two quarterbacks. I just don't see a way that he gets drafted in front of Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud, which that doesn't mean that he still can't be a top 15 or a first-round quarterback. But I I worry a lot about what his offensive line is going to look like this year at Carolina. Yeah. And – for the talent that Spencer Rattler does have, he he cannot function at a very high level if he has an average offensive line, and I think South Carolina might have just that, an average offensive line this year. It's a That's a bad league to be just okay at O-line or yeah. below average. You were not kidding. That week is incredible. Yeah, that's the Alabama A&M week. That's OU Texas. What else is that week? Uh, BYU, Notre Dame. Uh, Ohio State, Michigan State, Auburn, Georgia. Um, let's see. You've got uh, Arkansas, Mississippi State. You've got the South Carolina, Kentucky. You've got Tennessee, LSU, Kansas State, Iowa State. There's a. I mean, it's pretty much Farmageddon's just, that week, man. It is a big week. Kansas yeah. State and Iowa State are playing. It just. It really just keeps on rolling. I mean. There's there's big matchups all the way throughout. Twenty four seven sports, by the way, had twenty two bold predictions for this season. Uh, you, we can go back to July where they had twenty five bold predictions. June yeah. where they had thirty bold predictions. Of course, May when they had their seventeen bold predictions. <laughs> but this is just their latest uh, group of bold predictions now that we're almost to the season. I'll I'll go through the list really quickly. We'll stop at the ones that we actually care about. Number twenty two, Kentucky finishes second in the SEC East. 21, Mario Cristobal is ACC's only first-year coach with seven-plus wins. What? Let's the see. ACC's never had a first-year coach with seven-plus wins in his first year? Well, I think th- are they saying ever, or are they just saying this year? Because you've got – Okay, yeah, this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it means this year. I'm like saying, wait, what? That Seriously? Yeah, that'd be bad. BYU is one of September's most talked-about teams. They're going to have to beat Baylor if that's the case. I think that game's in week two, right? Yeah. 19, NC State reaches the New Year six. 18, Scott Frost silences critics with eight wins. The NC State reaches New Year's Six is pretty bold. Um, I know everyone's kind of on that bandwagon right now, but 
That's pretty bold. Scott Frost silences critics with eight wins. I don't see it, man. Uh, they're going to have to have – They're going to have to pull an upset or two, which they haven't in a while. Drastic improvement. Because they're at Michigan, I believe. I think they go to Michigan this year. Of course, they got OU. They're going to have to play Wisconsin. I think Wisconsin and Iowa are, are better than Nebraska this year. They they should – if if they have had any improvement, they really should win more than eight games. They should be 3-0 and with Northwestern, North Dakota, Georgia Southern. All right? Uh, I know Georgia Southern can be pretty athletic. But that's 3-0. and Then they play Oklahoma. They should be able to beat Indiana. They should be able to beat Rutgers. They should be able to beat Purdue. That'd give them six wins. They should be able to beat Illinois, who they lost to last year incredibly. That would give them seven wins. And then they just have to win one more out of uh, Minnesota, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Iowa, which may be asking too much. But that is a really easy schedule outside of the Oklahoma game. You don't play anyone that – like if you consider Minnesota tough, and I don't necessarily know that they are anymore – you don't play anyone in the Big Ten that's tough until uh, you're at Michigan in the middle of November. 17, Vandy squashes the over on two and a half wins. 16, Oregon's hanging by a thread in top 25 at midseason. 15, Houston is this year's Cincinnati. That's interesting. That's pretty bold. Is that saying that Houston makes the college football playoff? Uh, got a ch- Yeah, like – Got a chance to late in the year is basically what it says. Which they got uh, a schedule that that made. I, I don't. Well, have, they have a marquee opponent though. They get I'm looking UTSA right and Tech, and that's not the thing with Cincinnati last year. Is they won at Notre Dame. You right. Know, that, that was kind of their big exactly. non-power five win. Like okay, they're legit. I don't think Houston has that game. They're at Tech. They've got Kansas, and then that's it. They would have to completely dominate their entire schedule to get there. 14, Notre Dame finishes outside the top 15. 13, Florida State goes bowling, saves Mike Norvell. 12, Spencer Rattler's one and done at South Carolina. We just talked about that. 11, Clemson's 35-game home winning streak ends. Uh, who are they home? They, are they is Notre Dame at home. They have them? NC State. They're at Notre Dame this year. They okay. get NC State and Miami at home this year. And then South Carolina at the end of the year. Uh, maybe. That's a that's a long home winning streak. That's pretty Ten, impressive. Tennessee goes streak snapping twice. Uh I guess losing five or more games against the following teams on the schedule. Okay. Yeah, there's there's uh there's a bunch of teams they've lost five or more consecutive games to. Florida, LSU, Alabama, yeah. Georgia. Number nine, Texas finishes nationally ranked. That one's wrong. I have them seven and five. Teddy has them like six and six. I'd be shocked. Eight, Ohio State's defense finishes inside the top five. No way. Uh, no way either. Look, Jim Knowles is a really good defensive coordinator. He proved that at OSU. But top five year one at Ohio State, I don't see it, man. And they're going to score like 80 points a game. Yeah. I, I, they've got really good talent there, and they could, they could conceivably be really good. But to finish inside the top five statistically is really, really, really tough. Number seven, no repeat champion in the ACC Coastal. Who cares? Number six, Arkansas, not A&M, is SEC West runner-up. Yeah. Arkansas is – I think they're talented enough. That schedule's just brutal. It is, but 
A&M's is just as brutal. Yeah. And I think they're better than A&M. If I had to pick it right now, I would say Arkansas or Louisiana State. I think LSU's going to surprise. I think yeah. they're kind of sneaky good this year. Yeah. Now, I, that probably means a 9-3 and three for LSU this year, but a 9-3, and three, that maybe could get you second in the West this year if you have the right tiebreakers. Yeah. But I, I think LSU's over-under win total is like 6.5 maybe. I think they're hitting the over on that. Yeah. And I, I think they're only like a three-point favorite against Florida State. They play Sunday night of week one in New Orleans. I think they're going to cover that three pretty easily against Florida State. Sounds like Jaden Daniels is going to be their quarterback. Yeah, I, I just I don't know anything about Florida State anymore. I mean, I you have Florida to State assume play. that they're not going to be very good. Right. It's been forever since I've seen them play a football game. The last time you saw them play a football game was last year on that Sunday in week one when they played Notre Dame really tight in Tallahassee. It yeah. was on a Sunday night or a Monday night. That's yeah. the last time any of us watched him last last year. Number five, Dylan Gabriel wins Big 12 Player of the Year. Great chance to happen if OU wins the conference this year. Uh, yeah, I think there's a high likelihood of that. I think statistically it's going to be hard to beat what he's going to do at quarterback. It can be done. Um, I think uh, – I think – I think Texas is probably going to have a really good offense, but I don't think statistically whoever their quarterback is is going to be better than Dylan Gabriel. So, yeah, I'd I'd say right now probably be my favorite for that. The problem is there's been a tendency to try and not give that to OU guys, it feels like, recently. Number four, Lincoln Riley takes uh, Pac-12's Coach of the Year. And when I immediately read this, I said wrong and rolled my eyes. The dude can roll off an 8-4 and four this year, and they're going to look for every reason to give him Pac-12 Coach right. of the Year, even if Kyle Whittingham throws out an 11-1 and one in a college football playoff berth. Yeah. The bar was set really low last year by USC, so um, he, he probably has, has a, uh, an easy road to that. But, you know, here's the thing. There may be some people pissed off that USC's leaving. Yeah, you know how sure. that goes. Sure. Like they're not going to be uh, just lining up to vote you for coach of the year and stuff. Real quick, uh, C.J. Shroud wins the Heisman Trophy. That's at three. Michigan finishes one game short of the playoff. That's two. They got a really soft opening to the to the season on their schedule. Yeah. And number one, Alabama and Georgia lose a regular season game. I don't think it's a hot take to say that Georgia will, but Alabama, yeah, that's a that's a pretty that's a decent take. Well, as we talked uh, Friday. Tennessee's probably going to beat both of them. (laughs) It's true. That's right. All right, quick. It is the rush on the ref. Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman. We call this segment What Caught Teddy's Eye. Let's get to it. Story number one is. First of all, let's start with a quick shout-out to our friends over at Roof Tech. Josh Tucker, former teammate of mine, runs the show over there. Do an outstanding job. Can handle any of your roofing needs. Um, first one, I thought this was great. I don't know if you saw it or not. Little League World Series. Uh, full count. Two outs, bottom of whatever they go, seven. And there's <laughs> the pitcher throws what everyone thought was a strike. 
uh, ump calls it uh, a ball, take your base. Manager or coach walks out there, calls infield in, and on his mic, he's mic'd up. And as the infield runs in, one of the kids is like, it's rigged. It's ESPN, man. It's ESPN. That's the reason they're calling that. ESPN just wants this game to have drama. He is definitely an SEC football fan. There's no doubt. Oh, my God. It was so funny. Uh, Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. I mean, he was screaming it. (laughs) Uh, Cody Ford, Arizona Cardinals. How about that? 2018 offense in Arizona, man. Hollywood Brown, <laughs> Kyla Murray, Cody Ford. Getting the crew Ford. back together, aren't they? Yeah, all, all we need now is Cody Ford to get those after-the-play 15-yard penalties uh, every game, and then it'll really feel like the 2018 Hey, offense. Orlando Brown did not sign the extension that the Kansas City Chiefs offered him. He is playing on the franchise tag this year, so he will be, uh, again, an unrestricted free agent next year, maybe – Maybe he goes out there. They continue to roll up the Oklahoma guys. Um, Now, over the weekend, Dana White on the UFC broadcast, the Gronk Brothers broadcast of the UFC, dropped the bomb and told everyone that uh, Tom Brady and Gronkowski were going out to Las Vegas, and then the last minute, John Gruden killed the deal. Uh, which is funny that he told everyone that. Gronk was like, oh, okay, <laughs> you said it. I didn't say it. Pretty funny. But Mark Davis was asked about it today, and he couldn't remember if that was the case oh, or not. Of course, not. right? <laughs> so Dana White, he uh, he went he, – he, he exploded for that and then his reaction to the UFC fight on Saturday night. I only know that because everyone was tweeting it out this weekend. Yeah, yeah, pretty wild. Um I, there's been a lot of PGA and live golf tour talk, but I guess the, you know, Tiger went and met with uh, the PGA. They had like a players only um, little, little meet together to talk about the future. And I guess Tiger Woods and Rory McIlroy have been putting this thing together for a couple of years now, and it's getting close to being unveiled. No one really knows what the details are, but they're saying it's some type of stadium tour. Um, where the players are doing something in stadiums. Maybe it's like the Top Golf Stadium Tour or something. You think that'll get any interest? Yeah, that's what we need. We need the Live Tour guys to come out here and bust out all the new LED lights by hitting <laughs> bombs on there. That, that, that'd that go great, wouldn't it? Just shelling the, uh, the crowd <laughs> with golf balls. And then uh, I saw this today. Oregon in preliminary talks. I, this is weird. To go to the big... 10 conference what do you make of that well every team that's not in the sec or the big 10 is trying to get to the sec or the big 10 so this isn't shocking because oregon more than anyone was like all right what do we got to do what do we got to do um phil knight was cold calling everyone in the country trying to get out of the pac-12 big 10 did say last week that they're not done expanding for some reason though i don't feel like we're going to hear anything imminent on oregon rolling to the big 10 yeah kliavkov uh had a microphone in his hand last week and he was drunk someone should have taken it from him some of the things that he was saying uh was slandering the big 12 said that usc and ucla regret their decision of going to the big 10 i he was saying all kinds of things he's trying desperately to save his job which most likely will dissolve here before too long if oregon goes to the big 10 the Pac-12 is done. See ya.
Big story of the day in the NFL, Baker Mayfield. Named the starting quarterback for the Carolina Panthers. Not a good day for Colin Cowherd because uh, Mm. everyone was keeping the receipts of the dumb stuff that he was saying all this offseason long. But great for Baker. And um, the Browns fans continue just to look like awful human beings on social media with some of the stuff and the signs that they have at games. And I know that Browns fans aren't the only fan base in the NFL that would do things like this, but my God, it is alarming how people will defend someone if he's the starting quarterback for their favorite team. And I can say that because I'm a Cowboys fan. Right. There's no doubt about that. Uh, Yeah, you see Matt Corral also with Carolina um, had the uh, what they think is going to be a season-ending injury there with the Liz Frank issue on his foot. Not good there, but yeah, Baker – Having not spent any time there all offseason, it sounds like he went in and made pretty quick work of that quarterback competition. The first day, it was, wow, Baker looks like he needs some work. But then after that, it was pretty constant of, wow, Baker Baker looks pretty good out here. But everyone sure overreacted to that first uh, open practice where, you know, he may not have looked all that great. But he's he's been pretty consistent throughout this uh, training camp. Liberty head coach Hugh Freeze. He has named his starting quarterback – and it's Charlie Brewer, who I didn't even realize was still playing college football. Charlie Brewer? OU, um, what, knocked him out of the game in the 2019 Big 12 championship uh, game? The 2013 game, <laughs> the 2015 game, knocked him out of the game in the 2019 game. Yeah. He was a four-year starter at Baylor, and it feels like three years ago since he played at Baylor. Somehow he's still eligible playing at Liberty this year, and he's going to be the starting quarterback for Hugh Freeze. That's that's crazy. A four a four year starter. Then so this has got to be year six for him. I saw something the other day that there's a guy, I can't remember who he plays for, but he's gonna be a year eight football player for someone yeah. because of medical <laughs> things and then the COVID year. Pretty wild. Finally, BYU isn't the only team that has grown men in their mid twenties <laughs> yeah, no out on the field, you know? <laughs> Um, I, I got a couple more before we hit a break here. First, Kyla Murray got to call the plays, yeah. I guess, uh, during the preseason game this weekend. And the headphones that he had on, he puts out pictures before he scrubbed his Instagram, I guess, mm-hmm. of himself. He's a gamer. And people are like, whoa, 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 whoa. The headphones that he's wearing on the sidelines are the same headphones that he games in and plays Call of Duty with. So he's got that big fro going on right now. And it looked like the same. It's like he took his headset from home that he plays Call of Duty with and wore him to the Cardinals game on Saturday. You think or that, Sunday, whenever they played. You think maybe he was getting awesome. some uh, some gaming in on the sideline somehow? I, I hope so. You know when they're looking at those little Surface Pros, he's probably uh, he's probably got Call of Duty pulled up on there. Last one I have, uh, the anticipated return of Game of Thrones was last night. Yeah. I know that you didn't watch episode one of House of Dragon. No. I did. I'm going to give it a... I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10. Really? give it a 7 out I of 10. I feel like that's strong to quite strong for a first episode because the first episode, you got to kind of, it can be slow. you got to lay the groundwork. You have to learn all new characters this time around. It, that's the groundwork that you're talking about. Right. And the characters' names on Game of Thrones and such are not the easiest to remember. Targaryen? Yeah. Well, uh, that's cool. That This is what I needed to finally... Uh, 
quit screwing around, finish Game of Thrones so I can yeah. uh, well, so I can start Well, it's going to take you up. about 12 years to finish nah. the Game of Thrones. You're on, like, what, season two, episode <sighs> three? I could have finished it yesterday, rained all day, wasn't much to do, so that was a big waste. But that's cool. I'm glad that they finally got that rolling. All right, quick timeout. More from The Rush coming up. We'll wrap up hour number two next. Central Oklahoma Buick GMC dealers bringing you hour number two of the rush. Miguel Chavis has an opinion or had an opinion last night on the college football playoff. Let's see if we agree with it or not. Does the college football playoff need expansion beyond the current four-team model? My belief is this. An expanded college football playoffs benefits far outweigh leaving it at four teams. How about playoff home games? More invested fan bases nationally, local economic growth, less bowl skips by players, more fun for fans. Does expanding the playoff to 8 or 12 teams devalue the regular season? A little, but the benefits listed above far outweigh the devaluing IMO. If 10% of the field makes the playoff, that's around 13 teams. I think 12 is the perfect number. You were throwing your hands up in the air. Home like games. You, like you agree. I you kind of got me at home games, to be honest. I, home I, playoff games would be great. And I will admit that I can be incredibly dense over some things. Hmm. I still don't understand how an eight-team playoff or a four-team playoff devalues the regular season. I don't understand that. It, it doesn't compute with me. Yeah, I don't know if these go hand-in-hand hand or not, and I get the point that this is coming from like an Oklahoma perspective. Like, If Houston were to make it to the Cotton Bowl this year, that would be a big deal. But I was looking at somebody's bowl projections today. I see who they have in the four-team playoff, and then I start to scroll down to the New Year's Six, and I said, oh, wait, I don't really care who's in the New Year's Six, honestly. Yeah. Now, again, like if Cincinnati makes – or Houston makes it, it's a big deal for them. But other than that, it's just – those games have really lost its luster. The bowl, the bowl, because of the opt outs and and everything else, the playoff is totally stolen the thunder of the bowl season. It it needs to uh, expand, in my opinion. I, I think all of those points were perfect. If someone can explain to me how it devalues the regular season, I would love to hear it. All right, quick timeout. Final hour of the rush is up next.